You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Interning 101 podcast, hosted by yours truly, Emily White, author of Interning 101. All right, well, welcome to episode five of Interning 101. I'm your host, Emily White, and I am so pumped to have the legendary Kevin Lyman today. Welcome, Kevin. Uh, Great to talk to you, Emily. Great to talk to you. Thanks. So I'm sure as all of you know, uh, Kevin is the founder of the Warp Tour. And as many of you may also know, he'll be teaching at USC this fall. So that's very exciting for those students. And we'll delve into that. And I definitely want to talk about some of the really important work that Kevin is doing to fight the opioid crisis, as well as all of the amazing work that um, Kevin and Warp does to support nonprofits. But I kind of want to start at the beginning because that's, you know, what this podcast is all about. And as much as it kind of drives me crazy uh, when people meet with me and ask about my background because it's all over the internet, um, I am going to ask that about you because I guess my question is, did you intern? Did you just dive into the scene? Where where were you, you know, at 17, 18 years old? 17, 18 years old, it was really, you know... I was working when I was 17 or 18 years old. I always had at least one job, if not two or three jobs during that period, uh, just working from everything from youth programs to driving vans with kids at youth programs to making bagels in a bagel factory and uh, learning how to make bagels. But really it was you know, going out and, and my passion for the music business fell was when I was in college. Uh, I was on the ski team in college. I fell in with uh, the people who were putting on the concerts. And then I started blending the idea that we could put on shows to raise money for our uh, for our ski team, to be able to finance, finance our ski team because it was more of a club sport. Now, I wish I had a mentor to internship under, but I kind of learned under fire. Like the first time I booked a band and didn't know they didn't bring their own sound system. Right. Okay. So that's absolutely brilliant in a few ways. Um, My now business partner, Melissa Garcia, was a star intern for us years and years ago. And I remember we were having some sort of band emergency, not a medical emergency, you know, about gear or something. And I was, I was really stressed out and I turned to Melissa and she was really calm and she knew I wasn't upset with her, but I said, you know, well, what's your deal? Why are you so calm? And she said, oh, I used to work in a restaurant. I'm used to high stress situations. So the bagel shop background actually is really relevant. I mean, it's not quite a restaurant, but um, when I see, you know, any sort of customer service work, restaurant, hospitality on resumes, that actually stands out to me more than, you know, maybe a music industry internship if the intern didn't engage. Exactly. I always say, you know, a lot of people, what would impress me is if they would come in with a, that they helped out on a wedding, like a wedding planner. Love it. I always say that would be the, that's the ultimate live production. It doesn't really, you know, you have the, you have the star of the 
the wedding, you have the supporting cast, you have the audience, you have the, a lot of times the unknowns of, you know, weather, traffic, all the things that could disrupt a thing like that. So I like to, you know, get diverse. You know, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, people say, oh, I only want to intern, but, you know, get a diverse background. And I think you're right with that bagel, you know, factory, we were under deadlines all the time trying to, you know, make sure they got out to all the contracts and uh, the, that we had for bagels, institutionalized bagels. We had to have them out, you know, each morning. So it was just, it was definitely impact. And there was uh, timing and schedules. And, you know, I did intern with someone there to learn how to make bagels, someone that knew how to do them. So they taught me how to make them. I love it. And that's such an excellent point about weddings. Um, Really, I, you know, for me, any sort of event management, event production is event production. And something like a wedding, you know, that's something that people want to remember forever, you know, and, and a concert is very special, but a, but a wedding is even more special. So I love that analogy. Yeah, you know, and I think for me, it's, you know, interns have to, you know, have always been, whenever they've come to me, I, I look for their strengths right away. You, you realize what their strengths are, but try to push their weakness and help them work through their weaknesses. And you have to be open-minded to that if you're going to go out and intern. Like you have to be willing to take some criticism and it's constructive criticism. You know, I have a story about my best, my best, one of my better interns. When she came in, she was so good at social media and social media, but she was an early adapter of social media. But the one thing she forgot to do was communicate and verbalize. You know, we would make her sit, I'd make her sit in front of my desk and, and just have conversations with me. Very interesting. I love that. And I think that, you know, just hearing that, um, I'm confident that something that you and I both do well as bosses, if this helps, you know, maybe kind of 20 somethings out there that are overseeing interns, I try to get the best out of everyone, you know, so instead of getting frustrated by skills that they don't have, because they're not supposed to, that's what we're teaching them. Everybody has strengths to offer. And that's what you have to focus on when you're mentoring interns. Yeah, but reading more about you, you have a lot more skills than I do. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I think I've been very, I think it's just intuition has gotten me through a lot of life, but you definitely have the skills out there and really enjoyed the book. You know, that was, uh, as I go into teaching at USC, I've already said, I've already, I've, I've already selling you books. I had a group of students here from the University of Pacific here for uh, lunch the other day, and I made them all take a photo of your book. Well, I really appreciate that, um, especially because I didn't necessarily, I, I didn't set out to be an author at all, actually. I felt a very inherent need to get that information out to people. So I really, really appreciate it. And I hope it's helping the people that you're connecting with. No, I think, I think it's been, it helped me a little bit. Very cool. So one other thing in there that we have in common is that you were raising money for the ski club. And I point that out. Um, I was a swimmer my whole life. And the time management skills you learn from sports or a part-time job or really anything extracurricular are crucial in a competitive industry like music. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's juggling your schedule, learning timelines, and, and, and dealing with a wide range of people. You know, it was, you know, when I was dealing with the ski team and ski club, it was a different thing than when I was dealing with bands and on campus and putting on the shows. So, you know, and then I learned, you know, cut some of my chops and try to figure out how to fund these things. Some of the early, I guess, corporate sponsorships I had were with some of the beer companies that we would work with on the campus to, to help support what we did. Teamwork, time management, you know, work ethic, all those things that can come out of sports, part-time jobs, all the above. So don't be afraid to put that stuff on resumes because again, that, that stands out and, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about ski club or swimming all day. That's for sure. 
Exactly. At that breakfast we had, you were you know, it was a great story and you know, telling us of your background with swimming and everything that you were doing with the athletes. Thanks. And just side note on that, not that this is about me at all, but I never in a million years thought I would be managing Olympic swimmers. I was so into like I majored in music industry, and when my father suggested I minor in business, I was offended. But my point is I started working with Olympic swimmers when I was 27, 28. So you just – you never know where that experience is going to lead to. Yeah, and you know, that's – I think the you – know, one of the things that – it's the interns, you know um, – I've had very good luck with interns. Uh, I think we've, you know, one of the, the screening process that we have at the company, I mean, they have to talk to it. Not, you know, I'm the last person they talk to usually. They're talking to three or four of the women within my company uh, in everywhere. And they kind of, they get a gut feeling if someone's going to be able to cut it at the office. And then they'll collaborate on that. And, you know, we'll sit down and, you know, I'm probably the easiest on people. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your screening process like? I mean, I, you know, don't, don't feel like you need to give too much away, but I'm, I'm very curious about going through multiple interviews before they get to you. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think, you know, one of the things it's, uh, for us, it's the company, they would go through three people. They go through, uh, Kate who handles all our partnerships and, and so the sponsorship and corporate world and branding. Uh, they go to Melanie, who's our operations manager, and they go to Steph, who's our marketing manager. And they'll all ask them, you know, the, Steph's very much more technical and wants to know what their background is on, you know, if they, if they you know, have the skills of, you know, knowing how to use programs and the apps that we use and some of the things we do. You know, Melanie will talk to them uh, and, about, you know, operations, about are they interested in figuring out how far they want to dig into nuts and bolts of how our projects go together. And then Kate's a little, Kate goes with a little more, uh, more like gut feeling, like, is this person really good? So she might ask you some real tough questions. And, you know, the worst thing you could ever say is, I, I really love that band. Right. Absolutely. I, I really, I really love that band. Yeah. You know, you know, your love of music is okay, but if you're specifically saying I love that band, well, one, we look at it, you're narrowing your focus too much, mm -hmm. or two, you're coming to with, work with us because you want to hang out and be around a band. I totally agree. Um, that's really interesting because uh, I'll, I'll be open about this person. I don't know if you know Nick Stern, who's a manager. Um, but mm -hmm. he always asks interns in interviews what their favorite band is. And if I happen to know someone who's interviewing with him, I, I'm like, the answer is Radiohead. And obviously, that's a really intimidating question um, because there is no right or wrong answer. But you're exactly right. You know, if you're going just because you're obsessed with one band, um, that it, not only is it not a good look, um, when I was at Madison House and I came off the road from tour managing, uh, my boss needed help with two artists who I didn't particularly love. And I honestly was concerned, like, oh, I don't love them. How, how am I going to be able to do this? And in hindsight, one of them, well, first, she's amazing. Um, but she was opening for Josh Groban. And that might sound kind of lame to some people. But anytime you get an opportunity to work on an arena tour, you're going to learn things. And the other situation, um, the artist was co-managed by like an ex-wife that was part of a divorce settlement. And my point is, I learned so much working on those two artists. So if you're interested in the music industry or any sort of competitive field, you have to immerse yourself with, whether you, if, if, if you're just in it because you love an artist, you should remain a fan, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing. And then, you know, when you, when, you know, as, you know, once they become an intern, I've always appreciated the interns that have 
the gumption or, you know, the, to, to tell me, suggest how we could do things better um, or maybe upgrade how we're doing things. Or, you know, for me, it was uh, my best intern. Probably there's been quite a few great ones was, was one I was kind of struggling with speaking gigs and I was trying to do, I wasn't getting them. And I love going out and speaking at colleges or at corporate events and things. And he came up and said, Hey, I can help you get gigs. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'll find, I, I know people want to talk to you. Maybe you're, you know, the person you're working with just isn't doing a good job. Let's see what we can do. And I go, okay, how do you want to do that? He goes, just put out on your Twitter. Hey, if you're interested in me having your school, you know, come to your school, contact Dakota at Four Feeney. And uh, he had like six emails within two days. And then he did all the follow-up and he learned, you know, he filled, he filled a need for the boss that at that moment I was feeling a little bit like, hey, I want to get out there and speak. And it just wasn't happening. And my day-to-day, I didn't have the time to go do it myself. Be willing to step up. And a couple of times he said, you know, I've had interns come to me and say, I think there's some new technology that might work better. I love it. And that's, that's what we might be looking for because I will admit I try to keep up, but you're, they're living it in their lives. So, you know, it's been great. You know, we have a, a young girl going out with us on the road for the first time in a couple of days. And uh, it was one of those questions I've never had because a lot of our interns do end up getting jobs. Uh, was the, the mother was asking, wondering if she was going to be kidnapped on tour. <laughs> I go, After 37 years, I've never been asked that question. And that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I said, I said, I truly doubt it, but you know, that's a good question. <laughs> totally. Um, so when that intern does approach you with a new idea though, when is the best time to ask? Not when you're on the phone or typing on your computer or kind of working. When you're having a, we work in an open kind of bullpen style situation. So when, when, and I tend to put my interns very close, like they're usually on the inside, they would be on the inside desks before you get to anyone else in the company. So they were kind of like right in the middle and you know, they can approach me because there's moments of the day when they can tell I'm just not, I'm, I would lose some of my focus a little bit because you know, you get tired in the afternoon or anything. And that's a good time to come over and talk because I'm not, but don't, you know, come in with that great idea when someone's sitting on a conference call. Thank you for reiterating that. Um, and when you say it's obvious, um, I don't know if it is. And that's, that's why I wanted to bring that up. I have a memory again, being at Madison house when I was a young manager, um, where an intern went up to the, went up to a partner in the company who was also an attorney and Kevin Morris was on his headset. So you couldn't always, uh, on the, on the Bluetooth headset and you couldn't always tell if he was on a call or not. And he interrupted a really important conference call in the middle of the day and this may be illegal, but I physically like moved the intern away. And I was like, okay, so like, what was the thought process there? And he said, well, I just wanted to, to network with, um, and, uh, and I said, look, like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday is not the time to do that. Um, if you want to yeah. come to one of our shows and you bring up fish, Kevin Morris will talk to you for three hours. So it kind of goes back to what you're talking about in that screening process as far as the instinct goes. I, I don't want to intimidate people with that. But I have a feeling the interns that have that instinct that's being recognized by your team, they most likely have immersed themselves in the scene in some form or another. It's not a class or they're not getting credit, but they've been out there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, be willing to ask, you know, if there's things that they can, that you could work on. We sometimes don't know as people what our weaknesses are. So be sure to ask your your. Oh God, supervisors or the people that are, you know, constantly, you know, feel free at the end of the day. Is there anything I can learn or improve on by the, before I come back the next time? 
Definitely. You know, and I think it's equally important for interns to observe, you know, because I literally was a music industry major, but that's completely different from the office environment. So the more you can observe, even on like, you know, I brought a high school student to a speaking gig last week and she texted me and asked what the dress code was, you know, which is something that you and I, you and I wouldn't think twice about at a music industry conference, but that's some of the stuff that you're learning. And um, I talk a lot in the book about making oneself indispensable. You know, that can actually be done very often by observing. Um, it's kind of a lame example, but uh, like I managed Brendan Benson from the Rack and Tours for a long time and he was doing a lot of producing. And, you know, when you're a studio intern, it's a lot of hurry up and wait, you know, set up the cables, get everything organized. But then you're in there for hours and hours and hours observing this producer. One day Brennan was like, you know, it was so nice when that intern took out the recycling and no one is going to college for that by any means. But my point is like, you know, you can ask busy industry people, uh, do you need help? What can I help with? You know, over and over. But sometimes it, it is like organizing that bookshelf or the vinyl, you know, like ask before doing that. But just the more you can Im- immerse yourself in the environment, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, you know, with, with your background in the bagel shop and, you know, the ski club and everything. Um, you know, we talked about how those skills ended up being relevant, but you know, that's kind of the point now too, you know, as far as internships go, like that wasn't interning, but it kind of was, you know, and I think sometimes interns have these expectations that they're going to be doing X, Y, and Z and, and they actually have to go in, you know, as a blank slate. So what are some of the tasks that your team has interns do? Well, our interns a lot are, are geared towards social media, media management now uh, because so much of that has to be done on an ongoing basis, you know, daily, just gathering assets, uh, dealing. So they're interacting with managers and labels and they're, you know, it's, it goes back to that part of your book I read about starting to form your own mental Rolodex, even though that's not a term we use anymore, but you know, I still use sure. it where you're forming your address book and, you know, this young girl who worked with us now, I, I, I think about her right now because she she did get a job on our tour all summer. And she worked, came in, worked real hard, felt like she could be part of the team. And But I watched how she, she was very organized. But, you know, she had to interact. We were dealing with, you know, 70 or 80 bands, over 200 bands playing one show. And she just kept very organized in method, methodically getting all the assets we need, you know, we need all the links, we need Twitter accounts, we need Facebook accounts, we need, you know, all everything they're doing. And she was very, just being helpful there. So ours, ours are a lot geared towards social media and marketing because it's not just servicing with an ad mat anymore or a radio spot. Things have to constantly be updated. So they do a lot of that within our company, you know, and then we try to not make it but if we do radio boxes, we had to do, you know, 38 radio boxes, you know, everyone's pitching in, but the interns will help with that. Um, out on the road, our, we'll have a couple interns that work in the production office. We have an intern that gets a chance to be out on the working with the backline crew to learn about mm-hmm. backline. Uh, and then we'll have one working with our sponsorship team. That's amazing. Um, well, you're exactly right as far as the Rolodex goes, and it certainly does still exist. I'm having more and more students ask if they can add me on LinkedIn. I'm like, you don't have to ask, just add me. And I really only got on LinkedIn a few years ago because I thought it was kind of lame and my network was on Facebook and Twitter. Um, but it's true. And, you know, something I talk about in the book that 
was kind of inherent to me just because I was a huge geek about the industry is I, I still do this to this day, reading emails from the bottom up, you know, starting to learn these industry names, starting to see how people interact, picking up industry terms. Uh, you're exactly right. And then go ahead and add people on LinkedIn. No one's ever going to be upset about that. You know, you add a few of these people and then they're going to recognize your name uh, because you've just dealt with them. And, and I think, you know, it's that follow up, you know, at the end of the summer, I'll make sure that they send notes out to everyone saying, hey, it was great getting a chance to work with you. I'm completing my internship with Kevin Lyman, looking to move in this direction. Feel free to contact him if you need references. That's fantastic. And, you know, I, I was explaining to, I have, I really only have like one intern on our I Voted initiative, which I don't think I've talked about on this podcast, but we can talk about another time, but it involves pretty much every concert promoter in the country. And what I explained to this intern, it was really his first time in the industry. He manages a, a dance artist. I said, look, like these promoters might not remember you when you contact them next, but they might remember your name, you know, subconsciously the third time or the fourth time. And when you meet them in person, you could say, hey, I'm Zach, the guy behind the email address that I voted. So there is something in a game, especially if you're as obsessed with live music as I was, and I'm sure obviously you you were and are. Um, it, it really gives you something to say when you meet these people in person. I, I think for sure, you know, it's, it's just, it just slowly and, and you're right. It may take two, three, four times meeting people and, you know, but it works that, and that's the thing you have to be patient in this business. Uh, I think the impatience is the greatest thing. Um, I had another intern and about two years ago and, uh, her mother used to, whenever I spoke anywhere, I'd always see this young girl sitting in the front row. And she was very, very young when she started. She was 13, 14 years old. And, you know, after two or three times seeing her there, I finally, you know, asked her when we were, you know, saying hi to people. And she said, oh, my, I really want to work in this business. I, you know, I've learned a lot from you and I'm going to be in this business. And and then she she worked her way up. Then I spoke at her college. Uh, she ended up getting an inter. She her contacted me and said, I want to come do an internship with you now. But that she was up in with uh, Michigan and she had to come to California, but her mother was willing to come down here. had a reason to come down to California. My, the women that worked for me were really, really skeptical mm -hmm. about this. And then they met her and she was, her name was Kat and she was so good. She was so helpful, but she didn't want to, she was so excited that sometimes excitement and not listening get in the way sometimes. So she would over talk some of the girls at the company, the women that at the company, and they would be like, wait, wait, then they, they got, we're getting a little frustrated with her. So I just sat her down and said, the biggest thing you're going to have to do is, is count to six or 10 before you speak and just think if it's time to speak. Yep. And she, she corrected that. She's now working, has a great job in the business and uh, working for another festival producer. And uh, it was just, you know, being able, and she accepted that, that criticism. She didn't get defensive. She goes, thought about it and goes, you're right. I need to slow down. Um, I might, I'll, I'll give you credit, but I might have to borrow that. We're big on um, having people meditate, but it's obviously not something we want to force on people. So counting the six or 10 is uh, pretty much exactly the same thing. So that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So something that always comes up with interning and uh, is money, frankly, and, and, and money alone makes uh, interning a bit of a controversial topic. So what are your thoughts on um, internships, you know, paid, unpaid, all of that? I mean, I, I believe there's, you know, I did a lot of work early on in my career that was unpaid. Uh, I think 
I think you have to recognize it. With my interns, they may come for a few weeks unpaid, and then I'll start to slip them a little bit of money. You know, I, I try to give them a little bit here and there. Um, our interns run kind of, and hopefully get them into mm-hmm. a job, you know, as quick as possible. Um, you know, it's, it's, I give them a little, I, I give them a bit. It's not a set amount, but I always try to reward them with something. Absolutely. Whether that's a tank of a gas, fill them up the gas tanks or make sure they're, they're included in company lunches. And, and they really appreciate that. And then giving them a little bit of money. Exactly. Here uh, the high school student that I brought to my speaking gig on Friday, um, she was helping me sell books and taking photos and things like that. And she kept trying to, and we had a really nice dinner and a great lunch. She kept trying to pay me back for that. And I said, look, interns aren't always paid, but with me, they eat well. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, like I really encourage students to factor interning into their educational plan. However you are paying for college, whether it's loans, scholarship, cash, probably a mixture of all of the above, pretend like factor interning into that because it is experience that you cannot get inside the classroom. And I know sometimes, you know, with school it's hard, but you know, and then you're waiting for this official internship right. with the school. You know, they they may have this required internship in your junior or senior year. You know, try to carve out some time early on to get experiences or volunteer or get around things as much as possible and just don't depend on that one internship. Uh, I like when kids come to me and say, oh, I've come to you. I'm ready to work with Forfini because I've done three other little internships. This is my official internship, but I was able to help a little bit here or work on this festival or do that. And it, it's those are the people that stand out because they're, they're already bringing some of those skills to so the table. So smart. Yes. The high school student I was with on Friday um, is really into pop music. And I mentioned that there is a swimming super fan whose family owns Warner Music. And I said, well, maybe, you, you know, um, I'm sure Alex could help, help. You know, I could help you and Alex could help you get an internship at Warner's. And she asked me about that at the end of the day. And I said, not yet. If you want to come help me with some things, we'll prepare you for that. So right. yeah, the younger, the better. Um, and, and, you know, as a student, you have such a huge opportunity to take advantage of all these great things, whether it's, you know, discounts, you know, or sometimes schools even pay for kids to go to South by Southwest. Um, I run into students volunteering yeah. at Meetem. Um, I would say that it's, it's not your first South by Southwest if you haven't cried on 6th Street. So if you can get that out of your system at age 19, 20, as opposed to being like 24, 25 entry level, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, and we always reward our uh, interns because we get a lot of things in the mail, promo items. Sure. So it's like, you're the, you're the intern of the day. You got this water totally. bottle. You know, it's a, they go home with all the promo materials. I love it. You know? So, you know, if that intern, if, if there is something that the intern really wants, that they know that you or someone else on the team has access to, like guest list to a certain thing. What's the right, right way to go about that? I don't mind it if they ask. I don't ask for people for guest list very often mm-hmm. or do anything. But you know, there, there, I had one girl that was working in the or that was in the office who just I knew she loved the FYF festival. She was cool enough to go to that one, um, and and you know, I just went out of the way and called on her behalf without even telling her, talked to Rick and said, Hey Rick, and if I, if she'd like to go, can I set up a couple passes? You know? And when I told her the first time she was super, super excited, you know? And, and it, so you try to figure out what the intern, what they really like and, and try to, you know, offer Absolutely. them that. I c- 
Or we had with this internship, Kaj, there was a battle of the bands with the School of Rock for a spot on the Warp Tour. And I gave her a title for the day and she went as our representative because she's on the East Coast. She went home after school before she came out here to start the tour this week. And we gave her a title for the week and she got to go represent Four Feet. Wow. That's so cool. I love it. You know, so she was like director of special projects or something and, and got to go to the School of Rock and, and judge and decide who got to Amazing. play on the Warp Tour. We trust her taste in music because she lives she lives the lifestyle. Absolutely. Definitely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. So how do people get internships at your company? Do you guys, you know, advertise or people just uh, yeah. applying cold? Uh, they'll apply cold kind of. We don't really advertise. People will reach out through our website, the Four Feeney website, um, info at Four Feeney and and talk about internships. Uh, we don't bring in a lot of them. I, you know, a lot of kids want to come on the road. Right. Uh, but, you know, then, you know, bringing an internship on the road, we're always going to pay them if they're on the tour with us. Yeah. But, you know, you've got the cost of travel, the bus spot, the catering and all that. Um, you know, we, we, we'd like to do that. But a lot of it, a lot of it's just coming and working in the, in the garage with everyone else and and uh, and coming down and working and showing it. And then if we have a project, you know, it'll change now because without the warp Tour and probably moving into more consultant based and things such as that, um, We'll see if the kids still want to come out and intern for us. Oh, they will. And I hope that I'm confident that you will draw, you know, people that understand you and your background, but also have an entrepreneurial spirit. Yes, I I enjoy them. No doubt. And we're the same, too. I never have to advertise for interns. They always come to me. And I, I, I assumed that was the case with you. And I wanted to mention it because don't. Don't be afraid to apply to your dream internship because people like Kevin and I are so busy and we have people coming to us that we don't have to put those ads out there. Um, I was just explaining that to a family member. Um, Actually, I guess my brother, who's always had a job, just decided to apply for a job because he's never had to do that. And I said, that's ridiculous because I don't even know if that's how people get jobs. I mean, he's not in entertainment or anything, but my point is it's all about your network. It's all about your skills. It's all about connecting with people, but do not be afraid to apply to your dream companies because we're out there. Exactly. So we talked about this a little bit, you know, ideally, you know, maybe an intern has a few internships under their belt, but by the time they get to you, but whether they have experience or not, what is the best way for them to prepare before they enter your office? Well, you know, do a little background on the projects that we've worked on, um, understand the history of the company, uh, maybe read a little bit about, you know, there's enough out there about Four Feeney and Kevin Lyman that people kind of know where I'm coming from, Yep. you know, as, as a person. Uh, so when you come in, I, I say sometimes learn learning enough so you can have a conversation outside of the business. I always say well, the best way to approach a person, you know, on tour or if I'm at a conference is learn learn enough about my outside interests to strike up a conversation that way before you're asking for an internship. Because I do speak at a lot of these events when you know that are you know where the kids from Syracuse have been there or UCLA or UCLA you know all these schools Vanderbilt or or Belmont and these kind of schools that send kids to these projects and the ones who usually I have the best relationship with at the beginning is just they talk about like hey Kevin I know you like fishing in my state there's some great fishing or you know there's some great barbecue in my city if you ever pass through and then I'll ask you know it'll just a more of a little personal connection yes because you know, you and I both love what we do, but we also like to go home at the end of the day. 
you know, have lives, maybe have some balance. And that's hard to understand. I I think I learned that I was very young. Um, It'll probably be obvious who this was, but I was talking to a member of Rage Against the Machine, which is obviously a very political band. And I was talking about Mm -hmm. politics because I thought that's what that's what they would be interested in talking about. Well, he wasn't. He was way more interested in the fact that I was a scholarship swimmer and just wanted to talk about that. So it's actually not that hard to research some of these outside interests. Like this one might be too obvious, but the example I give is I assume, you know, Mark Cates. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, his label and management company is called Fenway Recordings, you know, I mean, the man will talk about the Red Sox and Boston sports, you know, forever. So um, I can can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah. So we love music. This is why we do it. We do it for the vast majority of our days, but we also are interested in other things. So that's, that's a pro tip instead of just like, you know, talking to us about what our job is because our jobs are awesome, but they're still jobs. That's how I recommend, you know, and then it kind of humanizes you in a different way. And it's, it doesn't feel like you're trying to get something and, you know, you're adding something to the conversation. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people approach that way and they end up getting an internship. Definitely. It's all about like human natural connections. And, you know, without going on too much of a tangent about this, um, I was on a panel at South by a few years ago about networking. And I was like, who's going to show up to this? And it was standing room only. And I I was surprised because I love talking to people. I love finding out where they're from, what they're all about, what they're passionate about. But I realized when we're staring at phones all day, and if you've grown up staring at screens, you might not know how to talk to other people. So my point is like networking can be kind of a cheesy, dirty word to people. But to me, it's just like genuinely connecting with other humans. Yeah, no, it's, it's very important. So you talked a little bit about how a lot of your interns um, do do social media. Um, it might be because my firm does social media consulting and we're absolutely experts in that, but I see social media skills on every intern's resume and they show up and they're not tagging things, they're not hashtagging. Um, so what are some kind of modern office basics that you know, you guys expect of interns kind of, and, and myself as well, whether that's fair or not, if that makes sense. Well, I, I think, you know, you know, Steph will mentor them through the expectations, right. you know, because like, you're right. When you say social media marketing, it's, it, there are those things, hashtags, tagging it. She's, she's probably, she's one of the best tour marketing people. She's, she's worked at, she worked at an agency. She's worked at a label. She's now worked with me. So she kind of knows. So she she really shows them the first few, and then she'll let them kind of rise or fall and know pretty quickly if they're going to get it. Uh, she'll put them in some situations that are never going to harm the company or harm, the, harm a project, but we'll let them go out there. And, if, and of course, if they fail once, it, they get – help and correct it. If they fail twice you know, on the same project, you start worrying if it's a third time, it's, they're just, it's weird. You know, it's, they're just not going to get it. You know, we're, it'll be interesting because the schedule now switches from an office where you've got to come in and you, you kind of do a little bit, you're at your home. And now when we, that same person now has been hired with a position, we've got 39 shows and she's on deadlines every day to hit certain marks. And this will be whether those, and, but if we know that if she can, you know, it's kind of, if you, if you make it through your, your trial by fire on the warp tour, there's usually a job out there for you somewhere. You know, 
some of my most formative experiences absolutely were on the road. So the more experiences you can get, even if you, you know, go out and do merch for a band, as well as if you can work at a venue, because then you also realize how you want to be treated by the touring crew. I just, I can't encourage that more. Oh, I mean, you know, you go out there and it is starting to understand because one, our business is so important and the road has become such an important thing now that if you're going to be anything within management, within even a label or, you know, working as a, you know, you're going to, should that road experience translates really well for you. And that road experience and understanding what people are going through on the road. Also how to work with people that are on the road because your, your brain works differently when you're on the road. Uh, so if you're working from an office situation later on, knowing when to call people on the road, when they're freshest, when they can pay attention to you the most, it's, it's, it's the road experience never, I don't think has ever been, but it also, you have to go on the road to know whether you ever want to go again. I mean, so many people I've brought on the road with me that were great young people at the end go, you know what? The road's not for me. I want to, I need to go in a different direction in the music mm -hmm. business. But at least they have that, not only that experience, but like you said, that empathy that if they are working at a label or management company or any kind of office, they understand what it's like on the other end of the phone or the email that there's a lot of craziness going on. It might be controlled chaos, but um, so how do you keep things balanced? I mean, you're, you know, this executive entrepreneur, you're on the road, you run one of the most successful tours of all time. I had the opportunity to meet your lovely wife. Like, how do you keep it all in check? It's, you know, it's been challenging. It's separation of, you know, if you walk in my home, it's, it's very hard to realize that I'm in the music business. Except maybe yesterday afternoon when we had a barbecue for 125 people over here before right. tour. But, um, I, you know, it's always been important to me to to be able to separate. Even when I was working 320 nights a year in the clubs of Los Angeles, I drove each day back to Claremont, which was about an hour from LA, an hour and 15 minutes, and to reground myself. Mm -hmm. um, I've always found grounding as an important thing. Uh, the days off on the road, I tend to go out on the water and fish. That's how I kind of found my regrounding. Or, you know, it's it's... It's 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 a hard balance, you know, and you know it's 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 hard on relationships. It's hard on it's hard on your wife. You know, we're leaving tomorrow. Today's the last day. I'm, I'm where she was just saying, you know, and she's ready for us to go right now. <laughs> uh, you know, the house has been a little turmoil. We have the office in the back garage now. Um, I don't think there's ever been less than eight people here like, throughout the last week. Um, and we were, I was just downstairs and we had this great barbecue last night. A lot of people sitting around telling stories about the 24 years of warp tour and their history and where they're at. It was a real nice experience. And I try to do that, but, but she's ready for us to go right now. Uh, my daughter, I've got both daughters going out on the road with me and I think she's like, well, 50 days, I'm ready for you guys to go. But because we don't let our, we don't let the business intrude too much into our personal lives. And then when I get done from tour, she'll come out and meet me and we'll hang out at the beach for a couple of days. You have to work at it. You have to understand that balance. Yeah. And that balance could get out of whack at times. And I, I won't say my life hasn't gotten out of whack at one point. One point I almost, you know, my, I almost fell for everything because this business will fill your head through all the crap and you'll start believing it sometimes. And, uh, you know, people were convincing me that, you know, maybe this life I've, I built with family life I've had wasn't the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. And, uh, you know, it took some real uh, self-looking inward, uh, 
quite a bit, some therapy to figure it out. And then you kind of reset your life because in this business, your life can spin out of, out of whack pretty quick. And we have a lot of people on all levels that will enable us to do this. Yes. Because, you know, if, if we have a chance to make them money or make their career, you know, they'll let us go out of whack. Absolutely. And I also think it's easy to get sucked in, you know, especially on the live side, touring, it, it becomes your family. You know, so it's like also these people you love, it's relationships that you're going to have forever. But, oh, my gosh, is that separation important? Yeah, you know, but I look at it right now. My my daughters, you know, we're ramping up to go. And, and one of them's worked with me since she was 14 and one's worth 16. And this will be our last summer out on the road together. And But I know that one was one, their, their best friends are the ones they've met on the road. Yeah. Uh, they will be friends forever. You know, I know they all keep in contact, whereas, you know, you drift off from other, but those people, when you're in the, the heart of putting on a show and putting this thing together, it's, it's like yesterday when everyone came over here, everyone's been off working other tours. Everyone's been working Coachella and they working Bonnaroo and they're flying Lisa Brownlee. My tour manager literally walked off a plane today. She's been on the road in, in Australia with Paris road managing and she walks right into it and you're, and you pick up those conversations. Like they just ended yesterday exactly and and then that's the the we we live in a very transient we have a, a lot of transient relationships in our business mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing it's transient and they could be very strong relationships yep but we're always flowing down but you know we have so many relationships and i'm definitely figuring it out this summer you know how many people you've come in contact my wife's like wow you have you have met tens of thousands of people you have had some sort of contact in life with absolutely and then, you know, my, my focus will be when I get done with this tour to nurture a few of those relationships in more of a normal way where maybe we can go on a vacation with another couple or do things because our lives have been so transient. No, no, we never get invited to things. You always wonder sometimes in this business, why am I not invited? Because everyone thinks we're so busy. Right. We're not going to be home anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you feel left out. So it's going to be, you know, that's where this transition for me after 37 years now is moving into this realm of education at USC. So exciting. So let's talk about that transition. I can say as a you know former music industry major, um, it used, I, this has totally changed, but um, I'm old enough that they used to require, I believe like master's degrees or something. Yeah. And, it, and they would turn down these incredible industry people. So um, you're going to just have such a wealth of knowledge and information that is really, really exciting. Yeah. I think they're starting to look at it that if we, if I took the time to go get a master's, I'd lose track. It's the the business moves so fast now. Exactly. And I think the schools are really looking at that, that they need to have a blend of maybe some more traditional nuts and bolts type teachers, but some that are still living it and living in the middle of it. Um, you know, and, and I'm nervous about certain parts of that traditional side, but some of those traditional professors are like, we're here to support you. We know we want to have that good blend here and we know you're coming in from a different perspective. Yeah. And I I understand that that nervous is natural, but throw it out the window because the first industry person um, that appeared in my program, you know, was an adjunct professor and he, he ran and had just sold Ryko disc. Um, And I don't remember this. He, I actually, he only told me this like last year, but I guess after the first class, he said, I followed him out of the classroom and just peppered him with questions and in his head, he's like, oh my gosh, am I doing this right? And he published Interning 101. And more importantly, he's my really good friend, you know? So um, no, that, that's going to be amazing. Don't, don't be nervous at all. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so a couple things just to wrap up. 
Uh, I think it's really important for interns to finish strong. What's your experience with that at the end of internships? I absolutely finish strong. I always say, I know it's, you're broke as a student, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. And, but you know what, go to your supervisor and say, Hey, I'd love to pick up some sandwiches for lunch today and just have a wrap up talk. Um, I also push them to say how, now that you've been at my company, how do you think you could make it better? I'm willing to hear that. And to be honest, the interns that have gotten jobs for me usually come up with a couple great ideas. And to wrap up, I really want to hear the latest on Fend. And I also would love for you to share, I didn't know until we hung out that nonprofits had such a presence at Warp. So thank you for doing that. Um, so tell us about Fend and you know about how nonprofits are all over the Warp Tour. The evolution of nonprofits on Warp Tour has always come from my background. You know, I've always had this philanthropic approach to my business that you you can still give even give back when you're not really making any money. And then when you can start making more money, it's just the progress of being able to give more money. So I grew up in a hippie town. I fell in love with punk rock. I realized that, you know, I always say that everyone in my town wore patchouli and then I went into downtown, you know, went into Hollywood and they were wearing safety pins and they were the same people with the same ideas. They were pushing for change and pushing. They weren't happy with the norm. So we've always integrated. When I was at early Golden Voice, we were constantly doing benefit shows for for, for organizations. I did the first uh, Rock the Vote show in L.A., um, the Rock for Choice show uh, for for women's rights or women's reproductive rights. We we did those shows in L.A. Uh, and every time I turned around, you know, we were doing uh, another benefit show. So it's just been ingrained. So early on, Warp Tour got involved with uh, nonprofits right away. I always had t- space for them. And some of those early nonprofits were like uh, Keep Abreast, the I Love Boobies campaign. We always we always donated 25 cents from our tickets to different charities. Um, through the years, that's changed a lot. And in the last few years, we, you know, we did have, you know, people talk about an artist on Warp Tour who had, you know, was doing some inappropriate things on, on, with his cell phone and video. Right. Uh, we have over, you know, we have a thousand people on the road. They're not going to be all angels, right. you know? Uh, but I couldn't, I was not trained as an expert in this field. So I found an organization called A Voice for the Innocent, um, a great organization. If they're, they're, they're now turning into a national organization. They're very small, but I've been able to take them out and give them national exposure where they can help people in markets and help people um, who maybe have been victims of this type of situation. Then teen suicide rates are at their all-time highest. So we found a guy named Johnny Bouchard in Chicago with Hope for the Day. And then the last couple of years, these stories keep turning as I'm on the board of Music Cares. Um, A lot of stories out on the road have been turning, you know, the traditional things we knew that could get people in trouble were, you know, alcohol, drugs, you know, cocaine, marijuana, you know, things that, you know, if if you overindulged in anything, it could become a problem in your lives. Um, and then all of a sudden it drifted to opioids and the opioid situation when, you know, it, everyone has a story about how their brother was playing soccer or their sister was, uh, um, playing volleyball or, or cheerleading or something and got an injury and got overprescribed opioids and found themselves on heroin very quickly. So I started researching more and more and hearing those stories. And then this group out of Australia, IPUG, a technology company approached me and they were working on an app of opioid education. So 
we've jumped on board with partnering with them on the Fend movement, Full Energy, No Drugs. It's an app-based uh, initiative. Uh, you can download the app. We've now got it straightened out where it's actually Fend. Um, and it's it uh, educates you on opioids. And that's where I think everything comes from. We need to educate. Yes. We've been able to reach now. Our goal is to get 50,000 people on the app. I think we're somewhere around 8,000 before we hit the road on Thursday. And some of our artists have got involved and they're going to be doing acoustic sets for people who are uh, have downloaded the app and gone through some of these simple prompts to learn more about it. Uh, we've got a lot of gifts and prizes for people, side stage access and things. And we're really engaging our artist community. And our goal is to you know have 50,000 downloads so we can build a real baseline to see if we are impacting change. Incredible. And if we do, ho hopefully we'll be funded to be able to take this in a much larger way. Yes. Well, I and we will be promoting that as much as possible so you can get that funding because I'm like almost in tears hearing you talk about that. And I think it's just such a reminder that, you know, we get into this because we love music, but kind of after you conquer it and after you're successful, you realize there's so much you can do to give back and, and that, you know, we all have access to audiences, but your audience in particular tends to be quite young. So the fact that you can have this tremendous impact on them is, um, you know, like um, Maya Angelou said to Oprah Winfrey once, Oprah, Oprah opened her uh, school in South Africa and Oprah said, this is going to be my legacy. And Maya Angelou is still alive. And she said, you have no idea what your legacy will be. And that's how I feel about the great work that you are doing, Kevin Lyman. Thank you very much, Emily. Of course. Um, so thank you so much for your time. I know you are crazed getting ready for the last ever absolutely legendary Warp Tour ever. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin Lyman. And I hope you can come out and visit us on the East Coast when we're out there. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at, at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.